This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Welcome to the show, Cam Poitras, Jim Toth. Jim, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, what were you doing yesterday? I didn't know where you're... I knew I was going to be away. I didn't know you were. I told you I was going to be away. Well, I know, but Kelly's like, I don't know where they are. And then oh. kind of way together, people think we're golfing or oh. <laughs> getting massages or pedicures or something. Oh, God. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll tell you what I was up to um, during the break. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Well, um, But you got it looked at. <laughs> no comment. I don't want to give any. We'll I don't want to give any information. I don't it's want good to break be back any of my. Is what I'm saying, Cam. I'm, well, I'm happy Thursday. Uh, yeah, happy Thursday, everybody. Um, and just before we get into lots of hockey news, Connor Hellebuck, Pierre Luc Dubois, Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, all this stuff. There's more information coming out of all of it. We're going to get into all of that. Um, rumors continue to swirl, Jim. What's going to happen? Who's going where? What's going on? Uh, it's going to continue on for the next little bit. Yeah, it is. And we're welcoming in the voice of the Jets, Paul Edmonds now. And uh, I, I think what we'll lead in with Mr. Edmonds, and always good to hear from you, sir, um, is just the fact that it's it's not just the Jets. Like this is kind of, uh, do you remember a time where heading into the draft, there was this much chatter about this many names uh, around the league? No, but I, I think that at this time of year, and by the way, I took Tuesday off, and that's why I wasn't available when I said I was to be on your show, so I apologize <laughs> No problem. Paul, I wasn't even going to mention it because it's not a big deal. I was on the lawn tractor, and uh, I just didn't hear the phone, so uh, I don't know what was going on there. But anyway, I apologize. <laughs> well, I was going to cover for you, Cam Paul. Said, I was yeah, going to say anything. <laughs> Cam said you were stuck on the mower, and I'm like, well, he won't be good till Thursday because that acreage that he has out there will be two days of mowing. He, pa- he packs well, a tent and a lunch when he mows that lawn. Yeah, well, we timed it perfectly today because I'm still cutting. We had a little bit of rain, but I was during the refueling stopping, so I, uh, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Fire up the motor. I got to take a call here. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't know that that this might be one of those years where there's just a lot more swirling, but it's one of those periods of time during the National Hockey League uh, season, and that's 12 months now, where there's always chatter about you know moving picks, or and not so much about moving the first-round pick because I don't think that that's ever going to happen, that Chicago's coming off of Connor Bedard. Um, but just the the ability to maybe negotiate with other picks or other players and, and teams trying to get better. And, you know, again, I mean, you harken back to what Vegas did, having one drafted player on their team, and now the copycat league kind of comes in and people are talking about that, where teams are looking and saying, well, maybe we shouldn't really hold all of our picks or some of our prospects tighter to our vest. Maybe we should try to, if we're going to try to win, move some of those, divest ourselves of some of those assets to get some more experienced players in. So I think that that's kind of where we stoke these conversations uh, when it comes to what might happen between now and, you know, Wednesday, Thursday at the draft in Nashville or, you know, July 1st in free agency or beyond that to, to try to build your team or improve your team or reshape your team prior to getting to September and training camp. So, yeah, you're probably pretty accurate in saying that there's a lot more chatter going on, but it's not abnormal for this time of year, Jimmy. Do, do you think, Paul, it's it's too much of a copycat league? Well, I think any league that 
that you look around in and, and I'll just come off of hockey and look at baseball. I mean, you know, one team 10 years ago decided they were going to start employing the shift uh, for left-handed hitters particularly and moving the infield around. And next thing you know, everybody was doing it to the point where Major League Baseball had to implement a rule about the shortstop not being past second base over onto the second base side and right field of the infield. So, yeah, I think that every league is a copycat league. And I think what you look at is how have these guys been successful? And can we take some of that and employ that into how we do our business? So, yeah, every league, I think, is a copycat league because you're always looking for new ways of doing things or what has made somebody successful in winning the Stanley Cup in the case of the National Hockey League. So, yeah, the simplistic answer is yes, they are copycat leagues. It's not that nobody doesn't have any creativity, but... You know, when that creativity is something that's new, um, that hasn't been sort of uh, conducted in the last number of years to be successful, then you have to take a look at it. It's the same with analytics. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, everybody was breaking down the door to hire all these young guys that were making the math application to hockey. And while that's stuck now, a lot of guys have come or a lot of teams have come off of the employee of just analytics guys and now had a little bit of a, a melding of both, you know, the old eye test and the analytics. So things correct themselves after a while, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the flavor of the month. And if you're not sort of on board at that point of looking at the flavor of the month or maybe employing some of it, then you might get lost in the shuffle, and I don't think any team wants to do that. Yeah, Jim, because I remember when the Penguins won the Cup, it was all about, oh, you need speed in the forwards. You know, Montreal went to the Cup final. You need to have four or five big defensemen to Blues compete. won the Cup, that you got to be yeah. big and heavy and don't need a lot of skill. And <laughs> yeah, you know, I went yeah. to the Cup, and they did it with some petulance, you know. I mean, yeah. so everybody wanted yeah. to get tough and bring fighting back in, and so Maybe. that happened for a couple of years after the Ducks won their Cup. So, yeah, I mean... Things change and evolve like that or or maneuver back to the, the historical side of the game. Um, but right now, it's about making sure that you can get more experience by moving some of your assets out and improving your team that way, as Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee did successfully with Vegas this year. Bennington wins a cup, and all of a sudden, your goalies need to know how to fight. Things like that, <laughs> you know? I have a bad attitude, stuff like that at Copycats. Um, Paul, this has become the question of the summer, not just in our city, but on every show, and I've done a few, and I've listened to others, and it's how many of the core Jets do you think will be here by by the start of training camp? And I guess we'll, we'll pose that with you. Um, not going to ask you order or anything like that, but of the, the names, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Hellebuck, Wheeler, Shifley, how many do you think are, are gone this summer? At least 50% of them. Um, I do believe that there is going to be a change, and I guess it also depends on what's possibly and potentially going to come back, whether you divest yourself of all four, right? I mean, those are the guys that are talked about. Um, you know, we've got a buyout window to the end of this month with Blake Wheeler, and then there's a secondary buyout a little bit later, but you wouldn't, the cost savings wouldn't be as great. Um, so there is the potential for that. I mean, the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation where... He's come out and said, you know, I, I'm not going to sign long term there. And Montreal appears to be, you know, the desired destination, but not necessarily just the team that he would go to, according to what we've heard. And you've got to think if the Winnipeg Jets are, are worth their their weight and salt, which they are as a negotiating team and a, an, an executive, that they're talking with other teams because you have to try to drive the market value of that asset, which would only be beneficial to you. 
as well as when you're moving Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I think that, yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to probably play in Montreal, has been talked about, and he's on the boat with his agent, uh, who's also representing Cole Caulfield, who just had an eight-year deal that was signed with Montreal. And Montreal seems to be a place where he wants to go. He's got his charity there. He makes his off-season home there. You know, he, and it's really desirable for them, too. I mean, he's too much to resist. But if the deal was right for Pierre-Luc Dubois to go to somewhere else and get more money and if it was a place where there's some bright lights like New York or Los Angeles, as it's been rumored, then maybe that's a better fit. So you've got to think that Winnipeg's talking with those two teams as well or our other teams like that. And then there is still the Connor Hellebuck situation that's in play. And, you know, if, you, if you're not prepared to sign him long-term and give him 9 or $10 million for a goaltender that's 30 years old, then you've got to be looking at moving him as well. And, and then there's still Mark Shifley with one year left on this deal. So my answer to you more succinctly is this. I think you probably safely could say that 50% of those four will be uh, in a different uniform next year, but it could be as many as all four of them. It just depends on what would be coming back uh, for Winnipeg in those negotiations. And after you've you know accumulated uh, those assets coming back and, and how it kind of affects your team, and whether the asking price is, is what do you want or more, because uh, I don't think that the Winnipeg Jets are, are stand pat on, on moving any of those guys out. It's just what they can get back for them. And along those lines, Paul, we only have 30 seconds left, so this will just probably be yes, yay or nay, nay, and the mower is full and ready to go, so you got to get back at it. But um, I, I, I'm that's where this conversation has turned to me. I know a lot of people around the country are still focusing on the loss of those core players. Uh, if, you know, two or four go, I'm more looking at this could really send this organization in a totally new direction and, and kind of, you know, no one wants to lose players of that caliber. But if you get more assets back, you could really change the direction of this team. Well, and I think that uh, it would be exciting, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the window is sort of closed with this core group. Yeah. I can be succinct and, and kind of not dramatic, but it has closed. So you're not looking for a rebuild or a teardown. I don't think the market's interested in that. But moving some of the older players out for some players that can play here that are younger, that are 22, 23 years old, that are going to be exciting, and you can watch those guys grow and still be competitive, I think that's the desired sort of destination for this for this organization. So there is an excitement about that as well, and I think that is percolating within our market uh, as well with the fan base to see what they can get, and if they can get some exciting players back, then a lot of people will be all in to see this team grow. You mentioned the word grow. There could be some growing pains, but in the end, I think they could grow into something special. This Paul place Edmonds, he mows is known as South Fork, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those places, by the time you're done, the other where you started has grown out again. That's how hey, big this seconds, place is. I would say this. Uh, this is a blue-collar town. Always has been. Uh, they want to go and they want to watch a team play hard and work hard. And if you can provide that, then people will be in the building to support it. Agree, agree. 100% with you on that one, Paul. Paul Edmonds, Jets play-by-play voice right here on 680 CJOB. Paul, you take care, okay? Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Go get you some. Absolutely. That's right. When we used to, when I cut lawns in the summer of college, we'd, yeah. we'd meet in the morning, have a coffee, and then say, let's go get us some. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Ah, yes. The Hall of Fame yesterday welcoming Hendrick Lundquist, Tom Barrasso, uh, Mike Vernon, Carolina Olette, Pierre Turgeon, uh, Ken Hitchcock, Pierre Lacroix in the Builders category. This is always a conversation following um, Hall of Fame inductions and all that. But the Carolina Hurricanes tweeted this out. Things that don't make sense. How baloney is pronounced. 
people that don't use their turn signal, or how Rod Brendamore is nearly 1,200 points, captain a Stanley Cup winning team, has two Selkies and almost 1,500 games played, and isn't in the Hall of Fame. Alexander McGillney, I don't get. I, I don't get it. Ronick was just uh, and here. Ronick was just here. The third American-born or the third highest-scoring American or the third player to score 513 goals. He's he's only the 46th player overall to have 513. He's got 1,216 points in 1,363 games. To me, McGillney is a surefire one. Yeah. Ronick, I can understand. There's a bit of a weight. He's not yeah. a point per game player and stuff, but he he addressed it at the Rady JCC Ken Cronson dinner on Monday and said, "I I've been very controversial. I've always outspoken and honest, and I I wonder if that hurts me. It's possible. But he's come to rest with it. the the problem he said he had is his dad passed away in 2021, and he said the Hall of Fame isn't about anybody else than the people that helped get you there. That's yeah. what the Hall of Fame is. And he said, my dad, if I do go in, not being able to see it is one thing that I'll have a hard time." Not getting it's, over. To me, it's a popularity contest. I'm saying Hendrick Lundqvist, Daniel Sedin, the last little bit. I'm not saying those guys aren't eventual uh, Hall of Famers, but I don't know if they're first ballot. We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. Tons of stuff going on, again, in the world of hockey. Oh, and a quick note here, Jim. Uh, Winnipeg are in team captain. Uh, Dylan... Uh, uh, Dylan uh, McElrath is a Calder Cup yeah, champion for the second time in his night. in his pro career. Do you watched it? You tuned in? I, I watched was, the highlights. I, I should was, say I yeah. caught the end. I caught the yeah. end of the game. I missed, and then it went to overtime, and I was busy. And then um, I uh, caught the the overtime highlight of that Hershey Bears. I mean, Manitobans will remember that that when the Moose were here and Corey Schneider, and um, I just ran into Josh Green a couple weeks ago at a rink here. He was watching his son play. And uh, he was a big part of the Moose team in the Moose days. But 2009, they went uh, up against the Hershey Bears, who were just a dominant AHL franchise then. And then here we are again. Like they, I think they won their 12th Calder Cup last night. Yeah, that was it. It was 12. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. for in any league, that is an impressive feat to be able to claim that you're the champion. Of the long, it was the longest-serving AHL team. And, of course, they, they, they move around a lot. And Cowichan Valley, is is that's a great story too, right? Yeah. That Seattle Kraken's farm team. Um, Coachella Valley, Coachella, sorry, yeah. Coachella Valley. And Jessica Campbell's an assistant coach there. She joined me at the start of the season about becoming the first, um, female assistant coach in the American hockey league. And she was part of that bench crew that helped lead them all the way to the Calder cup final. Obviously something was working there. So just wanted to uh, congratulate them, of course, in a great season. And of course, the Winnipeg are winning the cup and the team captain. Uh, that's always pretty cool. Can I bring this up? Yes. So we're here in Winnipeg and we're waiting for all this news to happen. Yeah. Um, but that's what I was sort of referencing with with um, Paul Edmonds there. Is like, this isn't the only team, right? Yeah. And the NHL, when I was driving in today, just kind of when I was thinking about this stuff, it kind of struck me, it's com- becoming like the NBA, right? Totally. Like players are picking and choosing where they're going to go. And I detest that about the NBA. And that's why when you tell me LeBron versus Michael Jordan, it's not even a discussion to me. And this is why. I, I, I'm, not an, Jordan, I'm not an NBA fan for those exact same reasons, Jim. I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You dictate and pick who your teammates are going to be. That's not your job. And now we're doing it with your coach. LeBron James literally will get you fired if he doesn't like you. And he will say, get me this guy, get me that guy. This deal last night, the three-way deal, Marcus yeah. Smart leaving the Celtics – was kibosh and they made it go anyway. They figured out another way to make it happen. This idea that you can pick your three guys you want to play with is asinine to me. Mm-hmm. 
and there are a lot of people that will push back on this because when I've talked about the NBA before, other players have said it's about time players had some power and some of this. Well, we're seeing this in the NHL, right? The guy, and the reason I was thinking of this is because Frank Cervelli has a report. The thought and belief around the league is that Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, and now Mikhail Backlund are leaning towards not re-signing with the Flames. Yeah. And it's a year away for every one of them. Goudreau did this last year. Kachuk did it last year. Dubois doing it this year. Um, and the safest thing you used to do is have seven years now. And now it's become six. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dubois literally said he's not going to play here. Doesn't want to play here. I shouldn't say not going to, but he's yeah. like, I'm not even signing an arbitration one more year deal. Yeah. And it's just become like the NBA where it's not so much of where and who I want to play with because the cap helps with this in the NHL, as I think Dubois is going to find out. Yeah. But now you got... <laughs> The Calgary Flames have been, for a Canadian city, one of the most desirable destinations. And now they have five of their core players saying, I'm just not going to stay here. Goudreau Kachuk last year, and now Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, and Mikhail Backlund's been there for 15 years. If there was ever a guy that they were going to not overpay, but pay and probably have a 20-year career in the same city, and I get it too. Like Backlund might go, you know, I've been here 15 years. I'm going to exercise my right. My wife and I would like a new, yeah. new exciting challenge as I wind down my career. But it just, it's, it's becoming players with five and six years in if their contract's up. This is why what you're, what's going to happen is the New Jersey Devil started this. And I thought it was crazy at the time, but it's what's going to happen is you're going to have guys come in and they're going to wrap up their entry level deals and then you're going to sign them to eight-year deals at a reasonable amount of money, and they'll, they're going to become RFAs when they're twenty-seven, you know when, when, they're, when they're twenty-eight, twenty-nine. That's that's the new normal of you what is going to happen. Such a valuable point because I think the days of the Josh Morrissey's are going away. No, there's the, Josh Morrissey did his ELC, and I think he was a top pairing, or he was with Bufflin, the top four. He said Bufflin, yeah. And I think he was getting some time, and then he was with Truba. On, and on his, he signed a bridge deal for three and a half for two years. And I was looking at it and I'm like, well, this is brilliant because he's getting a huge raise. That's what a bridge deal's for. Yeah. It's, we don't have the cap space now, but in two years from now, I can pay you six, but I can't pay you six right now for eight years. The situation has to be, you have to have the money so now. So there's the bridge deal. There's yeah. three and a half, which fits into the cap. Well, we have Bufflin and Myers and whoever else on the books. And then when those contracts are up, I can, and that's what they did, right? They had a bridge deal with him for two years. What RFA going into his second contract isn't going to want eight years or just play out the, like what, would you sign a guy to a bridge deal now? I wouldn't, no, because all it is is taking them closer to free agency. Five, five, six years and then, and we're seeing it with a year left. I promise you, if if a guy gets a decent two-year bridge deal and there's two years left, if he doesn't get his big contract, like the bridge deal, in my opinion, is going to go by the wayside almost. Yeah, it's I, they're you, just going to go give me the money now, all or I'll just sign one one year deals, and then I'll do what everybody else with a year left is doing. And maybe instead of having him for seven years, you're going to have him for five to six. The options are going to be the player will say, "Okay, I'll sign two years here. Okay, I'll sign two years at 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 that price." But listen, I'm. I'm getting out of here as soon as it's over. I'm going to start. We're going to have a one-year deal after that, and then I'm going to go to become a UFA. Pierre-Luc Dubois last year with two years left said, I don't want to sign. So you I, have, he you're didn't say have, I don't want to sign. He yeah. said, I'm going to free agency. 
So you have that option. So you have another year. Yeah. But the, then now it's like I'm not even I'm not even signing the one more year here. No, they won't. See, that's that situation. You have to be like Tim Stutzla. You have to be like um And uh, remember we hated that deal. I, I hate was like it. you're paying him I I, well, it's I ridiculous. was like you're paying him too much before you have to bridge him and then get him the other one. But then if he doesn't want to be in Ottawa <laughs> Now he's gone. Like, he, would, he would now with this season be going I want out. Ottawa would have be having a very difficult time, and they would be having very similar conversations. If he didn't want to be there, but yeah. realistically, like I hated them. Like you could bridge him and make some other things around him, and then go long term. But now I would be like, you, no, you Ottawa did him. the smartest get thing him. I've ever seen. Sign you have a superstar years, talent you believe in, and you locked him up for eight years. You get him out of his entry level contract. You actually sign it the year before the end of his entry level contract, and then you keep him for eleven, and then you then he's not sticking unless. He might want to stick around, but the chances are he won't. Now, the counter to this is, is this is exciting. And there are the fans that, there are Jets fans that will be devastated when Connor Hellebuck leaves this city. They view yep. Connor Hellebuck as somebody they would like to have here for 18 years. Rafter goes up, Jersey goes up. And those days are just like, and oh, so. And al- almost completely gone, Jim. Stutzel is another two, four, six, I think another year after that at 8.3. Yep. He's 21. Now he's worth it. Like he's a he's point of game player. He's already. going to be, yeah, absolutely. So, but my point was is Bridgem Nilly's 23, use that money for something else and then sign him long term. But, but hindsight being 50 50, when he's 23, he'd be sitting here, I got a year left or two years left. Man, I'm not, I'm going, he'd pose a Dubois. You don't think? Listen, I'm leaving in two years. Listen, these guys in their final RFA year—they're just saying, "I'm not going to sign a contract." And you know what's going to happen then? It's like, it's, but it's contract because look at Jason Robertson. Yeah, I love four that. Years. I love that deal. And it, it's the final year of the RFA. But I'll tell you this: Dallas is going to be in a very similar situation. How do you feel about Austin Matthews? Five years instead of the seven or eight. I hate it. I didn't like it then. I thought they had to get more. Five years was totally caving to him. And now he's doing Five year was the now new- the story I heard yesterday and Kelly had Shane on yesterday, Goldstein or gold. Yeah. Goldstein yesterday yeah. was great. And she's like, you know, Matthews might be the new way instead of a seven or eight year deal. He's going to sign another four or five year deal at yeah. 15 mil per. Yeah. And she made up the point that it might be good for the team too. You pay the 15, he's in his prime and then you don't have, or you know, the seven, eight year of where the guy's not in his prime anymore and you're paying him 15. Yeah, and he can still chase another contract. And I will that. say this, like, I get how loyal fans are and stuff, but as a person who covers the league and as a fan of the league, it is exciting. To what Paul Edmonds said, I know there's a ton of Jets fans that are disappointed. I know yeah. it's a kick in the junk to go, I don't want to be in Winnipeg anymore and how hard it is. But are you not excited to see what these high-end commodities are going to bring back? And are you not excited to see where they're going to go and if they find success or not? Like, it just... The, the flip side is, is they're all here for seven or eight years. Yeah. And that's your team. Unless you can pull off a trade. That's it. This is going to be, this is just going to be the reality. And you so, know what? And, and, that's and what, what you're more, talking about too, Jim, it, it hurts teams that can't sign free agents. Yes, and as far as I'm concerned, like the Jets. it almost handcuffs them and it gives an unbelievable, unbelievable opportunity and advantage to teams that are of debt that are destinations that people quote unquote want to play in. Cause here's the thing with Winnipeg phenomenal drafting and people argue this guy, that guy yeah. in general, overall number of guys in the lineup and the skill that they've weighed on at 17 at 14 at mm-hmm. 
really good players. But if they have a rough year or two, like scouting, scouting, right? They've done a phenomenal job for 11, 12 years yeah, now. Eventually, they they're going to have an off year or maybe a down year. Not just one pick, but three or four. Mm-hmm. And then this, this, it's like, like it's fine now because Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck, Shifley and Hellebuck were drafted. They're going. Yeah. But you got your Connor and your Ehlers and your Morrissey and, and stuff. But Lowry and, and in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. But you miss a year or two or have a poor year or two drafting, and then a town that can't get free agents is really behind the eight ball. Absolutely. And you know what? Here's this, and I, and I found this interesting on the Cam and Strick podcast. Sam Gagne was on there, and they asked him about the city of Winnipeg, uh, saying he loved it, hockey city, passionate about the game, a great place to play uh, if you have that passion for the game. He had no bad things to say. Uh, was really happy with the organization and the team and how they treated his 1,000th game. Uh, he said it was really special. I uh, said the first half of the season was great. Uh, when they were first in the West, he got hurt, and he wasn't a part of the on ice stuff later in the in the year as things got difficult. But um, so here's my new- he, but he did say there was going to be change. He anticipated change, and he said the guys on the team know that. Of course they do. Yeah, that's why I was saying at the deadline, you better go all in because these guys are well aware of their contract status yeah. and everything. But uh, uh, hindsight, I was wrong on that too. I'm glad they didn't go all in. But here's the thing about what Sam Gagne said. So that's how you model this team for the next decade. Yeah. Is you draft well and get those ELC second year contracts in around a bunch of guys like 30 plus. The Sam Gagne's of the world aren't going to change the course of this team. But the guys like Nito Niederreiter said the same thing. He's 30, right? Yeah. So these guys aren't guys who go, I'm 24, 25, 26. I wouldn't mind being in LA. I got no responsibilities. I'll go to the beach or I'll go to the club three nights a week. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not begrudging that. Good for them. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Guys. But guys who speak like Sam do are the guys who come here and they're in their 30s and it's about just being in a good atmosphere. It's about being in front of great fans. It's about not hitting the ice in Anaheim and wondering why there's a whole bunch of Angels jerseys at the game. Listen, it's it's you, about a hockey environment to them at that age. So you you model it with your draft picks and your ELCs and your second contracts and you're, you're older veterans. Yeah, and you, you hear, um, like, I, I hear, I've heard so many interviews with Kyle Connor speaking about about how much he loves playing here and the whiteouts and, you know, the crowd and stuff like that. And, and I mean, it's always like we got to constantly be on the defensive about Winnipeg and stuff like that. But it's it's just like what you, you've heard this so many times. You've heard it from Nito Niederreiter this offseason. You heard it from Sam Gagne about what it's like once you come here. Um, but just to go back to the point, this is how you're going to have to handle free agents in the future. So make sure you avoid all that stuff. Once you have these guys here, like Cole Perfetti, Jim, as we as we head to a break here, Cole Perfetti, you're going to have to you're you're going to see a very very similar deal to what what Jesper Bratt just got, what Tim Stutzla's got, what Jack Hughes got. You're going to see Cole Perfetti get something very similar. And I think the Jets would be making a mistake if they didn't do a situation like that. Would the Jets love to get? Would would they rather do a bridge deal? Absolutely, but I I just don't think you can you can handle these situations like, well, like Patrick Line or 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 a Pierre Luc Dubois or Jacob Truba when you when you when you start things off quick little bridge deal and then Cheval Dayoff's done a great job of his puzzle three to five years of yeah. every every two to three years two core pieces are coming up right like yeah. Hellebuck Shifley Wheeler. Next two to three years, it's going to be Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers. But by then, you hopefully have Perfetti and and you know more more. But it's like staggered every two or three years. The problem is, is every two or three years, 
people want out. Yeah. Well, you know, just looking at Kyle Connor's contract, he he's only signed his second contract with the Jets. He's, he's yeah, he's into his he's into his fifth year and with it. There was no bridge deal there, no, there but it was no also a bargain at yeah. seven. And same with Nick Ehlers. So maybe the Jets were ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah, that Nick Ehlers came right out of his. The difference with Tim Stutzla is like Tim Stutzel to me is Leon Dreisaitl. You locked him up at eight with the first year of that contract. He hammered it, and now it's a bargain. Absolutely. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Hey, the commissioner is going to be joining Derek Taylor on the pregame show here on 680 CJOB for the Bombers and the Lions. 615, circle that. I'm hearing from Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, the CFL, and he joins Derek Taylor. Uh, pregame show gets going at 5.30, kickoff at 7.30. Brady Oliveira, game time decision, uh, Jim, and Abu Dharami Soare uh, replacing Demiro Houston well uh, out for non-injury related reasons. I was just going to go with the initials. But good for the, you. the new boundary corner. Kelly Moore nailed it yesterday too, but Kelly Moore nails every name. Yeah, well I tried to. No, I thought you did a good job. Oh, thanks. I'm proud of you. I looked you, it up. Growing up, have, man. Try to, up. try to have some little bit of information. Uh, the, the Bombers going three now? I believe so, yeah. I think this will be a good game, but no Dominic Rhymes for the BC Lions. Yeah. I'm interested by it. Like, I, yeah. I mean, these are the games that I look forward to because I think this is a team that could challenge the Bombers. I think the Bombers are the cream of the crop, but I, I like to better. see teams that can challenge them. And, and like when they play the Elks or somebody, I don't think they can, but when they play the Lions, I look forward to games like tonight. Vernon Adams Jr., hey, he's got the second-best quarterback rating right now in the league behind Zach Caleros. Uh, there might be some cracks in the secondary. We'll see what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense got a good defense. Is- yeah, they do. They've only allowed 15 points. Listen, but they were against Edmonton. Edmonton yeah. sucks. All this talk about Chris Jones. I've just I've just had enough. Well, and their quarterback, they were believing in him. I was kind of looking towards him, too, and I'm like, well, maybe oh, they, this is the year. I was thinking and, they must see something in him. Anyway. I, Chris Jones, to me, has become a, a figure that he sees something three years ago, and that's all he sees. He yeah. won't admit that, okay, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Or I, I totally see that. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.